everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Politics. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And just as a reminder, Bad on Politics is our monthly bonus episode with important political content. We just feel like leading up to the election, the stakes are too high here. So we are talking to the experts because we're not experts to get you guys answers to your questions and educate us all on the important stuff. And today we are so excited because we're being joined by Ivana Kinsella, and she represents Nevada's 10th district in the state Senate. She was appointed to the seat in December 2016 and became the first Latina to ever serve in the chamber. Her work during the 2017 session focused on drug cost transparency and increasing access to affordable health care. And as a first-term legislator, She chaired the Natural Resource Committee and served on Commerce and Labor. And when not in session, Ivana works as the executive director of the Immigrant Workers Citizenship Project. She leads the state's only organization to offer free help with naturalization applications. She's also a graduate of Northwestern University in 2010 with a degree in communications. And she is a first-generation college student and the proud daughter of Cuban immigrants. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for doing this series. It's really important. It's as much for us as it is for anyone else. I feel like especially last year going into the primaries, we were so confused with so many candidates that I feel like this election cycle has only gotten more confusing. So we are so grateful to people like you to come on and break everything down for us so that we can be as informed as possible. Yeah, we're so happy. I will do my best. (laughs) We're so happy you're here. We wanted to start off with some introductory questions. So we'd love to know a little bit more about your background and what made you decide to run for Senate in the first place? Yeah, this is not something I dreamed about as a little girl. I didn't have um, pictures of women politicians pasted along my wall as I was growing up. Um, I've always been politically interested, but never thought being an elected official would be something I did. I spent six years working as the political director for a major labor union here in Las Vegas. And in 2016, I was really ready to have my mic drop year. I thought I would do everything I could to make sure that Hillary Clinton became president. I would leave the union at the end of the year, spend some time in Miami with my family, and then start law school in the fall of 2017. And somewhere in the middle there was the potential to woof on an olive farm in Tuscany, which sounded really exciting. So I had this whole plan for what um, my life would look like. And woofing, for folks who don't know, is when you work for room and board. It's a weird Oh, I was going to ask because I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know either, but it's a thing. And it's this whole community of folks who will have you on their farm and you work and get room and board. Anyway, I was ready to have this plan. And then Trump became president. And the things that I knew I really cared about, uh, immigrant rights, workers' rights, women's reproductive rights, were all going to be on the front line of his chopping block. And it felt, I felt a moral imperative to do something different, that wolfing on an olive farm was not going to be, was not going to make me feel really great when I went to bed at night. And there was an opportunity to be appointed to the state Senate And it felt especially important because the federal government was going to be gridlocked in a way that perhaps it hadn't been before and was going to leave a lot of responsibility to the states to take on more, to take on things that maybe in the past states had not delved really deeply into. And that was, it was a tremendous opportunity and 
I wasn't sure if I'd end up deciding to run for office. I was appointed. I had to serve out the rest of the term. And then in 2018, I decided that I wanted to run for a full term. So I'm not up again till 2022, but it's it's been a life-changing opportunity. And what's been your proudest moment since taking office? That's a, it's a good question. Um, I'm a big sister through big brothers, big sisters. I've been with my little since she was 13. She's going Aww. to be, she's awesome. And she's been in foster care since she was 11. And when she was a junior in high school, she came to me and said, I don't know how I'm going to go to college. Like, well, we're going to figure this out. And thanks to her asking that question and being willing to step out of her comfort zone and testify before the board of regents. And because she told her story to a number of folks who were willing to dig in, we became the 33rd state to pass a tuition waiver program for kids in foster care. You now have 10 years from the time you turn 18 to enter any of Nevada's higher education institutions at no cost if you were a foster youth by the time you were 13. And I'm really proud of that. It's not the it's not a thing that will go on mailers, but it's a thing that I will um I don't know, I'll take with me forever. That's incredible. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you also serve as a senior advisor on the Biden for President campaign. Um, what inspired you to get involved? So I endorsed Joe Biden on the day he announced his candidacy. I um I felt really strongly about that. I was the only elected official that endorsed him when he announced. And I've been riding with Biden, for lack of a better <laughs> description, since then. Uh, when the primary season went was underway, I had a number of candidates call and talk about Nevada. And it was awesome to know that we had such a diverse and energetic field of folks with good ideas to get us out of the mess that Trump had created. And one of the people who called was Vice President Biden. And I'll never forget the moment I was in my office in the legislature. And it was one of those calls where you're not sure if it's real or not. So he starts a conversation. We're chatting. And he says, look, I'm you know, thinking about Nevada. What do I need to know? And I said, Mr. Vice President, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Um, there are two fundamental things that I want in our next president, leadership and loyalty. No one has done more for the Democratic Party in the field than you have. You've empowered young leaders to rise through the ranks. You have helped every candidate who's asked for your support and helped us build back the majority in the House. And you're the leader for this moment. You can bring our country back together. Your sense of empathy and grace is exactly what we need in the White House. So I'm in. Whatever you need, I'm in. And there was a kind of quiet pause afterward. And he said, well, thank you so much. And I still really believe those things. And I think they are more true now than before the pandemic started. And he he will go to work on day one, not needing instructions on how the executive branch works, not needing instructions on where the keys are to the file cabinet in the White House. He has been there. He understands the work that needs to get done. And I think that's really important. And tell me a little bit about what is the role that you see a battleground state like Nevada playing in this election? And and what are things like on the ground there? So being a battleground state means that you can't watch TV or um, stream something without getting an advertisement from some politician. (laughs) It also means that there's a lot of work to be done to ensure that 
voters get out and not only understand the importance of voting for Joe Biden, but they understand how to vote. And our job as a campaign is to do the work to answer questions about the Biden-Harris administration and their policies, what their vision for the country is, and also to answer questions about whether or not you can mail in your ballot before election day, whether or not you can mail in a ballot or if you have to go vote in person. All of the misinformation that has been disseminated largely from the president himself has created a lot of confusion about voting. And those questions are really important across the country, but especially in a battleground state where we actively see um, the other side working to suppress the vote. And is there a way that people can volunteer and help out with with swaying battleground states if they aren't from that state? Yes, 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 yes. I love this question. Um, There are lots of ways to get involved that don't require you being in Nevada or in any other battleground state. One is we are hosting phone banks every day. You log in to your computer and you sit on Zoom with other volunteers while making calls into Nevada. And one of the, I get asked a lot about whether or not this is a good tactic. One of the silver linings, if there are silver linings to people being uh, at home as a result of the pandemic, is that people are picking up their phones more and they're more willing to have conversations that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have. So phone banking has become a really productive or more productive this cycle than it has been in other cycles. And if you just go to nvdems.com events, you'll see all of our different daily events. You can also send text messages. So if you don't like talking on the phone, you can download an app and we'll get you texting to Nevadans to make sure that they know where to go on election day. You'll send them links to how to find their polling location. Um, it's actually very, it's very easy to do. And if you're interested in helping on anything else, maybe you're an excellent copywriter and you want to help us with social media tweets, um, there's a form on nvdems.com that you can fill out where we're filtering in what we call late help, which is any anyone who has something that they'd like to contribute to the campaign, we can put them to work. That's amazing. And I, I don't know if you know this, but is it the same in every battleground state that if you go to that state's Democratic Party website that you can register to text bank or make calls in a state you don't live in? Yes. And I don't know if it's through the state party's website, but if you just go to JoeBiden.com, there's all sorts of different ways that it'll direct you to either state party websites or state-specific Joe Biden um, websites. So I'm hesitant to say it's through every state party website, but there are ways to get involved in every battleground state. Amazing. So one of the other topics that we really want, we're really excited to talk to you more about is down-ballot races and talking about not just the presidential race, but also congressional, state, and local elections. So I think we need a little bit of a government lesson first. We do. I definitely took government in high school, but I actually could not answer this question if my life depended on it. Can you help us to understand what types of issues are legislated at the state level versus the national level? Yes. And it's a complicated question. So taking high school government and not going to law school, or it, it, it is complicated. And having just graduated from law school, I still struggle to understand this question because the lines are blurry depending on the issue. 
So generally, the federal government legislates federal questions and federal law issues, particularly dealing with the federal budget. Where it becomes murky is that a lot of the federal budget is money that gets redistributed to states. So who represents you in Congress can have a direct effect on issues that are state governed. Medicaid is a prime example. The state sets the parameters for Medicaid outside of the federal mandates. We make decisions on which optional programs, for example, we're gonna fund as a state, but Medicaid is largely federally funded. So there are blurry lines. To simplify it, the best way to think about it is through the example of the roads you drive on. If you're in your home and there's a road in front of your house and there's a pothole in it, the most likely person to fix that pothole works in municipal government. If you live in a city, it's your city council person. If you work in a county, it's your county person. If the pipeline under that road is broken, you likely have to go a step above to your state transportation agency. That's an issue that would get regulated and funded by the state. If what you're looking to do is figure out how to live in a totally different area, like you want to live in a Republican district instead of a Democratic district, redistricting issues, that also goes to your state legislature. And then if what you're interested in is your road being totally redone and glitz and glamour, you want to have roads that now allow you to drive on the left side of the road instead of the right side or vice versa, that is likely a federal issue. You want the whole country's laws changed. And so as a state, we deal with everything from taxes to animal trapping. And in Nevada, we meet every other year for 120 days to deal with those issues. Okay. And can you give me some more examples of things that we might not know that are actually legislated at the state level and not the national level? Sure. So some things that that came up last session. Yes. Whether or not pharmacist can prescribe birth control so that you don't have to go through your doctor, you just go through your pharmacist. A state legislature would make that decision. Whether or not there's an increased tax on things like cigarettes or vaping products, that goes through a state legislature. Whether or not payday lenders are able to offer 300% interest rate loans or 3% interest rate loans, that goes through a state legislature. Whether or not there will be rent control or any sort of rent caps or caps on late fees related to housing or anything related to evictions, that goes through a state legislature. How we fund unemployment systems so that they're able to meet the need of folks who are unemployed, that goes through a state legislature. Those are some examples of issues that are really relevant right now because of what folks are going through as a result of the pandemic that a state legislature has almost sole authority to um, govern on. Okay. I, the, the, yeah, the birth control and pharmacist one, I had no idea. That's like really wild to me. So yeah. now that we understand a little better kind of where the lines are, I, I want to start at the national level because I know one of the big priorities in this election is to flip the Senate. I'm curious, are there any Senate or even just congressional races at the national level that you're watching really closely? I'm really watching what's happening in Kentucky and hoping that Mitch McConnell ends up unemployed after the election. I would love to see him lose and to lose to a tough woman like Amy McGrath would be a big deal. There are contests in 
North Carolina and Maine that I'm also paying attention to. I'm really interested in what's happening in South Carolina. There was a debate there over the weekend, and I thought the Democrat did a really excellent job. So there's a number of Senate races that I think put the Senate in play. I would be lying if I didn't admit that I almost have tunnel vision for Nevada politics right now, but definitely keeping a peripheral eye on what's happening across the country. In the same way that you text bank or you phone bank at the presidential level, does that also exist on Senate campaigns? Like, Is that a way that you can get involved as well if you're particularly invested in, say, getting Mitch McConnell um, fired? Totally. And there are two ways where that you can get involved in some of the down ballot races. One is to get involved directly with the Democratic Party in that state. Generally, each state runs what's called a coordinated campaign so that when you're talking about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, you're also talking about Senate candidates to the degree there is one. Um, Arizona is a prime example where we have a chance to pick up a Senate seat. So um And then you would talk about any congressional offices and then any other down ballot contest so that you can text bank for all the Democrats at once. You can also, if there are certain issues you really care about, there are politically affiliated groups that are running campaigns as well. So if you really care, for example, about LGBTQ equality, then the human rights campaign may be a group that you get involved in and they're running text banks across the country. Taking the time to figure out which groups are doing work on the issues you care about and aligning with them is another way to get involved in the election. Is it too late? That's a question that I've heard other people ask. We only have about, well, less than a month until the election. Um, Is getting involved now going to be helpful? Yes, 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 yes. Um, There's no such thing as too late when it comes to the election, especially because every single vote matters. So getting involved now, getting involved a week from now, all of it makes a difference, especially because you could be the conversation that moves a voter from saying, I'm sitting this one out, saying, I get it, this is important, and I'm going to go vote. So no such thing is too late. And if you schedule it the same way you would a conference call or any outing, and you put in two hours a week to text bank or phone bank, it matters, it makes a difference. And you can then wake up on November 4th, the day after the election, feeling like you did your part. So outside of the national and the, the state Senate House races, what about other down-ballot races that we should be educating ourselves on in advance of Election Day, like um, district attorney, for example? Definitely. Um, I'll use Nevada as an example uh, to extrapolate what folks across the country should be paying to. Something I'm really proud of and that I will forever hold as a moment of pride is that Nevada has the country's first and only majority women legislature. There are more oh, women wow. at the legislature. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and it's a result of a lot of women stepping up and saying, we think we can do this too, and we want to run, and voters saying we agree. It's an example of what happens not only when people step up and run for office who maybe had never thought about it before, but also what happens when voters understand the importance of down ballot races. There's a temptation to check the box for president, vice president. Maybe you do the other federal races and then move on. And it's a mistake because the folks who are down ballot oftentimes 
are making decisions that more closely relate to your day-to-day life, particularly um, in the judicial races, in municipal races, and in state legislative races. One of the easiest ways to understand, to know who represents you, if you put into an internet search engine, who's my legislator, Alabama, who's my legislator, Nevada, most every state has an enter your address site where you can put in your address and find out everyone who represents you at different levels of government. And then put those folks into a search engine, research about them, read about the things they care about. If you disagree with them, vote for someone else. If you agree with them, vote for them and also get involved in their campaign because it's likely that they are dealing with um, volunteer shortages because more, more people are going to the top of the ticket races or they're just struggling to gain traction and attention in the very crowded ecosystem of candidates and media and attention being played, being paid to more top of the ticket races. That's the easiest way to get them to understand not only who represents you and to be involved in those races, but it goes back to this idea of understanding what issues you care about and who has control over them. So if you're really concerned about public schools where you live, then you should be paying a lot of attention to school board races. If you really want to be involved in criminal justice reform, then folks like the district attorney and the judges on the ballot should be of high priority to you. Um, So looking at the ballot that way and thinking of what do I care about? What power do these folks have over it? And filling in your ballot from the bottom up so that you're making sure that you are making your voice heard at every level of representation. Is there a way to get a preview of your ballot? So I I hear what you're saying that you can look up who already represents you, but in terms of who's running, is there somewhere that you can see that in advance? I know I've gone into the voting booth before and felt totally overwhelmed where I've never heard of any of these people. And I usually just vote the ticket because it'll say whether they're a Democrat or Republican. But frankly, I don't know anything about any of these people because I don't have the time to pull out my phone in the voting booth and, and look up each and every one of them. I feel the same. I was like so relieved when I got my absentee ballot and I could like look everyone up and like Google them. Yes. So in Nevada, we get sample ballots before uh, about two to three weeks before the election. And that's awesome because you have time to do the, um, the searches and research on folks. One of the ways that you can, there are lots of different shortcuts you can use to generally understand who candidates are. And certainly party um, party affiliation is one of them. I, for example, when I when I don't know who's who in a race, I generally vote for the Democrat because I know that they at the very least align with my democratic values, even if we may disagree with certain issues within the Democratic Party. Um, another way is to find groups that represent your views on issues that are important to you. So if women's reproductive rights are really important to you, then Planned Parenthood generally makes endorsements in races all down the ticket. NARAL does the same thing. If it's really important to you to have a candidate that is for labor justice, then unions and the AFL-CIO also make endorsements. So it's a good way to understand, do the groups that fight for the things I care about also see this person as being on our team. Um, And it's why endorsements in political campaigns are so important. 
And so wait, in Nevada, do they just send you a sample ballot in advance or do you have to request it? How do you see a sample ballot if your state offers that? I guess you would go through your elections registrar. They're generally situated at the county level. So you'd go through your county elections department or through your secretary of state. In every state, the secretary of state is tasked with uh, running elections. In Nevada, the county registrar sends out a sample ballot to every registered voter so that you can see what your ballot will look like. And then when you go vote, you take your sample ballot with you and you match what's on your sample ballot to the ballot on screen. That's incredible. I I don't think New York does that because I've never received a sample ballot. Yeah. But that would be so helpful. Yeah. It's one of the things we do really well in Nevada is voting. We figured out a really robust two-week early voting program. We're sending out mail-in ballots to all of our active voters this time around. We have same-day voter registration so that if you're not registered but want to vote, you can register. We do it. We do a good job at uh, making elections accessible in Nevada. That's amazing. So one last topic to kind of jump around a little bit that we wanted to talk about was gender and racial representation in politics. So I did a little bit of quick research last night and saw that 79% of U.S. Congress people are white versus 60% of the U.S. population. 24% of U.S. Congress people are women versus 50.5% of the U.S. population. And especially since you were the first Latina to serve in the Nevada State Senate, I thought you might have some thoughts and opinions on this. So wanted to hear first off from you why it is so important for there to be more women and people of color in elected positions and then how you think we can get there. I, I'm really, really proud to be the first Latina in the state Senate in Nevada. I think it's it's something that you know will be a part of my story for the rest of my life. However, it is also a marker I use to show how important it is for progress to happen as populations grow. It took till 2017 for there to be a Latina in the state legislature in Nevada. It's a really long time considering that Latinos are almost a third of our state's population. So while I'm proud of that, I also use it as a reminder that it's my job to tear the door that was open for me off its hinges, because it's kind of unacceptable that it took us that long to get here. And the reason representation matters, a reason we need more people of color, we need more diverse voices, is that only people who come from diverse backgrounds, who've experienced different things in their lives, are really capable of being the owners of those stories. So no one else can talk about what it means to be transgender in America, for example, better than a transgender person. And hearing directly from folks who are impacted by policies makes a difference because we may not be thinking as legislators of as what happens when we don't translate a certain government website into Spanish. What does that mean for access? What does that mean for communities? There are all these examples of how when diverse voices are inserted into decision-making, we make better decisions. And I think it's it's great to know that we have more women in Congress than ever before. I love that in Nevada, we have the first Latina U.S. Senator in Catherine Cortez Masto. I love that we have a majority woman Supreme Court, that there are more women leading our major cities than there are men. I mean, there are all these markers of progress in Nevada and across the country. And I go back to what Ruth Bader Ginsburg once talked about when she was asked how many women should there be on the Supreme Court? And she said nine. Why should that be striking to anyone uh, when there have been nine men on there for a long time? 
All that said, it is typically folks who are underrepresented in politics that have the hardest points of entry into politics. And so it's important to not only open up spaces for people who are typically under or not at all represented to be training for running for office, to have a support system to run for office. And so if you have someone in your network who you think is a fabulous leader who should be thinking about thinking about running for office, don't be afraid to plant those seeds and say, I think you're the leader that our city needs. I think you're the leader that our state needs because that kind of support really makes a difference as to whether or not a person will decide to even open up their life to think about running for office. I know after the 2016 election, I saw a lot of organizations pop up around getting more women to run. So like She Should Run or other similar organizations. Do those also exist for other groups, like for instance, for transgender people or Black or or Latinx people? Yes. There are groups across the country focused on bringing in diverse voices. Um, And they're doing work on the ground and in communities that have overrepresentation of white voices and that may have a majority Black population. I think, for example, of the work that was done organizing around Ferguson City Council races and how inspiring it was to see a change in that city. And it's one example of what are many opportunities that have been seized upon by groups to really ensure that diverse voices are leading in places where the population it looks more brown or black or indigenous than it does white. I'll have to look some of these up because I think that's somewhere where I definitely might want to volunteer my money to support them, if not, you know, being able to be a part of them because I'm not a part of that group. Yeah, I agree. And what are you seeing in the current election cycle with regards to diversity? Is this a more diverse election than previous years? Are there specific races that you're particularly watching closely with this lens? Well, I love that Vice President Biden chose Kamala Harris as his running mate, that we have a woman who is Black, who's the daughter of immigrants, who has South Asian heritage at the top of our ticket is so, I don't it's just tremendous. And hearing her give her acceptance speech at the convention, I got really emotional because I saw myself in her. I saw about I saw my parents' story of coming to this country. I saw what it means to fight for every opportunity you have to sometimes be the only woman and often be the only woman of color in rooms. So for me, one of the most inspiring people that will be on most every American's ballot is Senator Kamala Harris. Aside from that, I'm really excited in Nevada that we have just as many women running as we have in previous cycles and that we have an opportunity to keep our majority women legislature. We have, it took us until 2019 to have a woman leading the state Senate. We have the state's first majority woman, majority leader. Her name's Nicole Canizaro. She's the first woman to lead the state Senate. I'm really excited to make sure that she gets reelected. And there are a handful of races that I'm I'm really excited to see women step up in in particular, but to also see people of color. And the South Carolina Senate race is a prime example of where we have a Black man taking on Lindsey Graham. That's huge. And where we have Amy McGrath prepared to take on Senator Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. These pockets of really 
a, a big inspiration, I think, are worth investing our energy in as volunteers and our time in as voters. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for doing this with us. I feel like I learned a lot and I also feel really inspired. Like it was just so great to talk to you. I also feel inspired knowing that it is not too late, that even if I haven't done any text banking or phone banking yet, that starting now can still help. Yeah, I just took the text bank training, so I'm excited to do it, but haven't done anything yet. So So, Yvonne, can you tell people where they can find you if they would like to follow you um, and if there's anything that they can do to support either your future race or races going on in Nevada? Sure. And before I do, I will say that the most important thing, if you do nothing else this cycle, is voting. And if you visit IWillVote.com, you can look up your polling location. You can see what it if you need to request a ballot, all the things that you need to vote in your state, you can find on IWillVote.com. Pass it on to your friends and family because it's the most important thing we can do to take back our democracy. Um, I am pretty active on Twitter. I tweet lots of photos of my perfect dog, Louie. He's my sunshine. Uh, and I'm at Ivana Kinsella. It's Y-V-A-N-N-A-C-A-N. C-E-L-A. Amazing. So please go follow her. And if you have other pressing questions you would like us to address in advance of the election, shoot us an email at boutonpaperpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best. Yes, do it. Bye, guys. 